I invite you to take your Bible this evening and open up to the book of Revelation. And we will be in chapter 9 tonight, and we're going to try to finish the whole chapter. We're going to work our way through it. If you brought along your chapter outline paper, I want to remind you again, chapter 6 to chapter 19 speaks of this coming tribulation period on, on the earth. And uh, it's going to affect everyone, no matter where they live. Even if they live out in the country, they're going to be affected. If they live in a city, they'll be affected. If they're lived, they live by themselves on a desert island, they will be affected. Every human on earth is going to be affected. And we looked at this seven-sealed book that uh, the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, received from God the Father and began breaking the seals. Seven seals, and he started breaking them one at a time. And each time he did it, something happened on earth. And so uh, we studied this very carefully. Um, in chapter 8 is when he opens the seventh seal. And um, now begins these increasingly horrible conditions on earth. Some might refer to it as a literal hell on earth. And indeed, as we went through chapter 8, you'll see in verse 7, that a third of all the trees and all the green grass is destroyed, burned up in verse 8 of chapter 8. Uh, a third of the sea was turned to blood and everything living in it died. And then um, uh, the, third, the third trumpet sounded and this, uh, this big thing called Wormwood, some star called Wormwood in verse 11, caused for the fresh waters to turn bitter. And um, boy, many men died over that. And the fourth one sounded and the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon and third part of the stars. And, and so um, there goes the third part of the daylight hours. So we come to uh, verse 13, and this angel flies through the midst of heaven with a loud voice, and he's crying, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm not going to be here on earth when the tribulation begins. Hallelujah. The Christian's hope. Jesus will come in the clouds and take us home. We have not been appointed to wrath. Now, this is very important because there's an increasing number of uh, churches that are changing their theology and are teaching and preaching that the church will go through half of the tribulation and some other churches are teaching that the church will go all the way through the tribulation. And I'm here to tell you, the church ain't going through any of the tribulation because it's not for the church. Some claim, well, the church has to be purified. That's not the purpose of the tribulation. The whole tribulation there is essentially, uh, it centers around Israel and the Jews. And of course, the world at large needs to get saved. It's not geared for the church. It's not aimed at the church at all. Praise the Lord, we have abundant evidence in Scripture that Jesus will come before the tribulation. He will come in the clouds. A trumpet will sound. He will gather us to himself and we'll go home to heaven. Praise the Lord. 
So we come now to um, chapter 9. And in, um, in chapter 9, we have uh, two more of these uh, trumpets. We have the, um, the fifth and the sixth. Remember that there are seven. And so in verse 13 of chapter 8, they are described as woes. And a woe is uh, not something you want to be part of. It uh, means a lot of uh, lamentation and uh, suffering pain. And, uh, well, we could say tribulation because that would fit the bill, wouldn't it? Well, let's bow our heads once more for a word of prayer. Please, and let's ask the Lord to uh, help us as we study the Bible tonight, that God would increase our faith. What good is it to study the Bible if we don't grow in faith? We need to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And so every time we study the Bible, it ought to result in spiritual growth. So let's ask the Lord now, please, to, to help us to grow in faith. Our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in your love and your goodness once again. And we have this uh, whole Bible to call our own. Tonight we come to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And Lord, we want to be studying chapter 9. Please increase our faith. Help us to be able to, by faith, see what maybe is going to transpire on the earth. And that that would motivate us to live more for you. Our Father, help us to to be more burdened for lost people in our city. And with a city of 600,000 people who are actually born again and saved and on their way to heaven, we're in the minority, in the desperate minority. Father, help us, please, to do something about the lost condition of our own city. Help us to take it to our heart. And now, Lord, please take us by the hand and lead us through this chapter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How many are familiar with that uh, tragic uh, attack on Pearl Harbor? How many have heard of that back in 1941 when um, the Japanese planes came in and, wow, some 2,000 people died as a result of that? But did you know that according to historical records, there was sufficient warning that Japan was going to attack the American Navy anchored in Pearl Harbor. But the warnings went ignored. And because of that attack, of course, uh, 2,000 died, another 800 were wounded. Back in 1912, we had the worst marine disaster when the Titanic went down. And um, it appears that in 1912, before the Titanic went down, there was sufficient warning for that luxury liner to slow down and take it easy and to avoid hitting that iceberg. But the warnings were ignored. And so over 1,500 people died a grisly, uh, watery death. They drowned as the Titanic sank. Now, Chapter 8, verse 13, this angel goes through earth and cries out, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. God is giving fair warning. 
He's giving fair warning to the inhabitants of the earth. Now, let's look at this. We're going to try to get through this, this whole chapter here. Verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So the fifth angel blows his trumpet. Now remember, this is a woe. This is something really bad. The, uh, the horrific nature of these judgments now has taken a huge quantum leap. And this angel blows his trumpet and something happens on the whole earth. This star, which um, uh, appears as if it could be a, a reference to an angel. Some biblical scholars thought maybe it was a good angel, but... Um, I think perhaps it's a fallen angel. If you just look at chapter 12 and uh, look at verse 4, here it's a reference about Satan and his tail drew the third part of the stars from heaven and cast them to the ground. And most Bible scholars understand that to, uh, to be where the demons came from. You've got Satan and his demons. And uh, they would look at that and say, well, that appears to be when Satan took a third of the angels with them. And there's a lot of angels. And so this star that fell from heaven, some wonder if it could be Satan himself. We don't know. But he's got a key to the bottomless pit. Now this is not hell per se, where lost souls await their doom. This is something else. If you look at chapter 20, you'll see it again. Chapter 20, look at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. And look at verse 3. This is what he, the angel did with the devil. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. And he stayed there, by the way, a thousand years. I wish he was there now. And so um, in chapter... Um, 11 verse 7, I want you to notice something else here about this bottomless pit. It says, and when they shall have finished their testimony, that's the two Jewish witnesses that are to come upon the earth. They're not here yet, but they will come during the tribulation. The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. This is a reference to Antichrist after he's been killed and he's resurrected. This is another reason why I believe that the Antichrist to begin with is a normal human man. But when he's killed, uh, his, his soul, he goes to hell and he waits there. But his body comes back to life and he is a changed individual, absolutely changed. And I think that this is where the, uh, the uh, um, demonic part of Antichrist comes from from the bottomless pit into his body because he's absolutely changed individual from there on. Uh, you could say he's two different men. <laughs> well, he's a real beast now. Um, where in the world is this bottomless pit? Well, I have a suggestion for you. I might have found it. If you look at Luke, Okay, chapter 16. I might have found where the bottomless pit is. 
Luke chapter 16, we have, of course, the story here of the rich man and Lazarus. They both died, and the rich man ended up in hell. Lazarus ended up in Abraham's bosom, paradise. And this seems to be the center of the earth. And so they have this conversation uh, that goes on between the, uh, the rich man, who's no longer rich, by the way, and Abraham. And they've got this conversation going back and forth. And so in, um, in verse 24, he cries for mercy that, you know, send Lazarus. He can dip his tip of his finger in water to cool his tongue. In verse 25, Abraham says, no, son, remember in your lifetime you had all the good things and Lazarus the evil things and now he is comforted, thou art tormented. Now watch what Abraham says. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from, from thence. And so this is only a, a theory, but in the center of the earth where you have hell and you have paradise, which by the way has been cleaned out when Jesus rose from the dead, now all of the saints are up in heaven, but until Jesus rose from the dead, they abode there with Abraham, called Abraham's bosom, and between these two, you have this huge gulf. I wonder if that is the bottomless pit. This huge gulf in between. No one was able to cross over. So it's only a, a guess. But it makes for interesting reading. Now, let's get back to Revelation chapter 9. We've got this uh, star, some kind of angel, angelic being. Don't know if it's Satan, don't know. But coming down to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, verse 2, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So this is not so much spiritual. This is actual physical. So that bottomless pit, if indeed it is in the more the center core of the earth, uh, it spews out its, uh, its smoke into the atmosphere the pit is open, thick, dark smoke comes and blots out the sun for a while. Anyhow, verse 3, here we go. Here comes the first woe. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, these are more spiritual, or a mixture perhaps of spiritual and physical beings they take on the appearance of locusts. And I do think that they are um, uh, more spirit in uh, nature and being. If you want to look back at Second Peter chapter 2, I think we've got some indication there. Back a few pages to the left, you'll find Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. It says here in Second Peter 2, 4, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, possibly there's some connection there. These evil spirits, however, were probably so consumed with evil that uh, God had to lock them up. Otherwise, all of creation may have been destroyed had he not locked them up here in the bottomless pit. So power is given unto them. And God says here in the Bible that the power is similar to scorpions 
well, what sort of power do scorpions have? And scorpions, uh, believe it or not, are actually part of the spider family of uh, little critters. They're usually nighttime hunters, and um, these spirit beings are released when uh, the, the sun is blotted out. <laughs> That's when they, they come out of their, their hiding and out of their darkness, because in this bottomless pit, if there's all this smoke and everything, then it has to be a dark place. And so um, it sounds like how scorpions uh, live. Scorpions are able to sense the movements of their prey in the dark, and so can these spirit beings. Now, scorpions apparently have two venoms. They have one venom they can sting you with, which will paralyze the victim, and they have a second venom that will kill the victim. Now, I'd like you to notice in verse 5 that they don't kill people, but they torment them with pain. And it was given them that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And so we have these uh, strange things, whatever they are, and they're going to affect men on earth. Now, locusts, the actual little grasshopper locusts there, they travel in swarms, but scorpions do not travel in swarms. A swarm can have as many as 40 million locusts in it which can fill the sky and block out the light of the sun. In verse 4, it says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Locusts, by nature, they eat up vegetation. That's what they do. But these spiritual locusts are commanded not to eat any of the vegetation, but rather to attack a certain group of people on earth, those who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. They will not eat them, but they will sting them and cause much pain. Now, there's some difference of opinion here as to whether all of the saved in uh, people in the tribulation are immune to the locusts or only the 144,000 that we saw back in chapter 7. Now, the Bible does not specifically say so, but I do believe that God will protect his people, all of the saved, during this plague. And here's why. Number one, during the terrible plagues of Egypt, God protected all of his people. Number two, this fifth trumpet judgment is not aimed at his people. It's aimed at the wicked world, not at the saved family of God. And number three, and I think this is very important, the purpose, the whole reason, the purpose behind these judgments, and this one in particular here, the purpose of the judgment plague is to encourage men to repent and get right with God. And saved people have already done that. And so we come to verse 5, and uh, we won't read it again, but the um, uh, spirit locusts of sorts were given power to uh, inflict a lot of pain. You know, it's ironic these days that the books and movies about the occult and demonism and witchcraft and evil spirits, that's what makes money. That's what people go to see. That's all the rage. It seems to me that the world is being prepared mentally for what's to come. They talk a lot about zombies these days. 
And uh, they've had zombie movies back in the 40s and 50s, you know, the science fiction writers. And it's become very popular again these days, these half-dead things that arise and start trying to kill people, these zombies, things like that, and all of the other stuff that comes out of Hollywood is preparing people for this miserable, horrible time yet to come. Um, the spirit beings are to attack men with pain for five months. Now, scorpion's venomous sting is said to cause pain and discomfort for up to a month. So there's a difference of opinion. When these demonic scorpions sting you, does the pain last for five months? Or does it only last for a month or less, but the scorpions are out there stinging for up to five months? So there's some difference of opinion there. But folks, who cares? <laughs> who, who's going to lose sleep over that one? It's going to be absolute horror, horror nightmare. It, it, it's going to be like the worst horror movie you've ever seen, only it's, it's real. It's not on the screen. It's actually happening. That's what we've got here. People being stung by these locust scorpions. And by the way, people who do get stung by real scorpions, they describe the pain uh, as, as indescribable anguish. Uh, from head to foot. Can you imagine being locked in a room with a bunch of wild hornet bees? Can you imagine that? Well, that's what the world is going to be like. These people will be locked in the world. There's no way out. They cannot escape these things. Now watch verse 6. This is interesting. And in those days shall men seek death. That means suicide. They're going to try and kill themselves. And look at the next words. And shall not find it. And shall desire to die. And death shall flee from them. You know, back in chapter 6, verse 8, when Jesus broke one of the seals, death and hell chased after men and men died. Now it's like they're looking to find death and they cannot find it. That's interesting. Some people seem to think, well, my life is my own. I can do what I want. If I want to kill myself, I'll kill myself. It's a, a sad thing when people kill themselves. And people will try to kill themselves in this tribulation time. They really will. They say, uh, according to world records, that um, suicide is the second leading cause of death in people age 15 to 24. It's the second leading cause of death. Every year, approximately 800,000 people worldwide commit suicide. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Here in the tribulation, and I think we're getting near the end of those seven years for, for these critters to be let out, but I think that during this time of extreme physical pain and suffering, I think millions and millions of people will choose death. They will seek death. They will attempt suicide, but they will be unable to kill themselves. They, they will try, but it will not happen. God is the one who controls who comes into the world and who goes out of the world. We are not as much in control as we think we are. 
How much control did you have when you came into the world? How much control did you have over it? Did you have any control? Because I sure had none. I didn't. I, I was not in control. I couldn't choose who my parents were. I couldn't choose what century I was to be born in. I couldn't choose whether I was to be born male or female. And by the way, they're still born male and female these days. I had no control over any of that stuff. Likewise, death. We think we have control over death. Well, I'll just put the gun to my head. Try it. It won't work. Well, then I'll just hang from a rope. Be my guest. The rope breaks. Well, then I'll swallow all of these pills. Hey, it's your party. You'll vomit them up or they'll have no effect on you. You'll just pass them. Men will seek death. They will try. There's all kinds of ways that people can try and kill themselves. They try and jump off buildings. They try and jump in front of a, a plane. I'm sorry, not a plane, but a, a train. I was going to say train. I don't know why a plane came out. That happens sometimes. Jump in front of a car. A lot of uh, men try to, to die by suicide by policemen. You've heard of that? Where they uh, antagonize the police and then the police shoot them full of holes. And that's what they want. Then there are those that try and blow themselves up. Those that try to poison themselves. Those that try to cut their wrists. Those that try to tie heavy weights to themselves and jump all over the bridge into the, into the water or something. There's all kinds of ways that people try to kill themselves. And they will try. And they won't be able to do it. Now, that's pretty strange, isn't it? But it tells us God is the one who's in control. God is the one. Boy, if only these people would just smell the coffee and wake up. huh? God is the one. So verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts. Now, if you thought, this is, man, this is scary stuff. The shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Um, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men five months. These things are fearless. These things are, are uh, equipped with some kind of body armor. They're unstoppable. They're like conquering kings. They're like fiendish men. Uh, they got hair like women. Here, I'm not sure why they got hair like women, but they got hair like women. And um, they got teeth like a lion. And often uh, si the sight of a wild creature's teeth is enough to uh, cause fear and panic. They can't be hurt. They can't be killed. They can't be stopped. No weapon can be formed against them. The sound of their wing, their wings, sounds like a big a a invading army. Um, the stings in their tails are like scorpions. And for five months, five months, they will 
attack. Now, many years ago, this is very funny now, but they were very serious back, I think, in the 70s. I think this came out in the 70s, that there was a, a popular Christian theory that these locusts were nothing more than American B-29 bomber airplanes, like used in the Second World War. Uh, like the one that was used to drop the bomb on uh, Hiroshima. And that these things will will be attacking men. And they thought that their stinger was, was actually machine guns. And there was some fanciful uh, thoughts on that. But of course, it's, it's just craziness. Uh, these locusts are going to attack the unsaved. So if it, if it was true that there are B-29 bombers, who's flying the plane? Because the saved people aren't going to be flying the plane attacking like that. So, I mean, it's all just a bunch of nonsense. But in truth and reality, these things are spirit slash physical beings of some sort. And we've never seen anything like it. There's been nothing in earth's history, anything like this. In verse 11, it says, and they had a king over them. Well, in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 27, it says the locusts have no king. And that's true. Swarms of locusts, of millions of locusts, as they rise up and they, they go like a cloud, they float like a cloud through the air. And um, that, to me, is scary enough. But they have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. But these critters here in Revelation, these evil locusts, they do have a king. They have a king from the bottomless pit. You see in verse 11, they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in Greek uh, tongue ha hath his name Apollyon. Now the idea it means destroyer. That's what it means, a destroyer. That's what the name means. Um, there was one old old, old commentary, Bible commentary, the pulpit commentary is what it was called. And in there they said that, uh, that this king was Napoleon Bonaparte. Again, a lot of just fanciful nonsense and speculation. Uh, some, some think that it's Satan. That verse 11, that it's a reference to Satan. But if it's not Satan, now we don't know if it's Satan. We don't know for sure, but if it's not Satan, then it sure is some other powerful demon. Uh, its name is given in both Hebrew and Greek. Say, why would it be in both Hebrew and Greek? And a possible suggestion is that both unsaved Jews and unsaved Gentiles will be attacked. Now, verse 12. One woe is past. Remember the angel in 8.13 said, woe, woe, woe. And so one of the woes is past. And here we have the sixth trumpet. There, uh, there come two more hereafter. Verse 13, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. So um, <laughs> we are about to be introduced to another wild nightmare. Now, according to um, uh, Wikipedia, Canadian Armed Forces number in, in the range of 68,000. Um, 
USA has uh, armed forces of about 1.2 million. Uh, China has the largest um, armed forces on record with 2.2 million. Now, these numbers are, are paltry small compared to what's coming. So we have, uh, in verse 13, the sixth angel sounding a trumpet. And a voice now comes from the four horns of the altar. And this altar, we've seen it before. It seems to be alive in heaven. In verse 14, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And so uh, the sixth angel here with the trumpet is commanded to loose the restraints which are holding four angels who are currently in the river Euphrates. You say, I thought that river was gone, all dried up. Nope, still there, big as life. The Euphrates River, it's still there. Um, the name Euphrates means fruitful, by the way. Fruitful. Because it really supplies a lot of the uh, moisture, the water needed for the harvest fields. So they call it fruitful. Well, why in the world are there four angels bound up there? It seems to me that the only angels in the Bible that are bound are evil angels. And it's an interesting place for God to put four evil angels. Um, makes me wonder if there are evil angels in other rivers or lakes. Say, why might they be bound in the Euphrates? Well, the Euphrates was one of the four rivers that branched off the main river that came out of the land of Eden where Adam was. Um, the Euphrates is near where sin first entered the human race. The Euphrates is near where the Tower of Babel was built. The Euphrates is near where Nimrod built his city of Babylon. And of course, the Euphrates was near where the children of Israel were taken captive to Babylon by the Euphrates. Over in Revelation chapter 18, it speaks of the Antichrist making Babylon his economic and spiritual headquarters. And, and I'm just saying all that to say this, there appears to be something evil connected with that Euphrates. And maybe we can't put our finger on it, but there's enough evidence. And so there's four angels, fallen angels, demons, if you will, bound there. Now verse 15. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year. So if you add all that up, it sounds like one year and 25 hours is what it sounds like. And it says for to slay the third part of men. This was their job. The job of these four angels was to bring about the death of a third of the population of the earth. Now, we don't know what the population is going to be at that point. Um, if you look at verse 20, it says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, that would be the fifth and the sixth, yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils. And so it would appear that these plagues, these woes, uh, are aimed at unsaved people. 
And so the four demons being released out of the Euphrates are going to be killing unsaved people. That's what it appears that they will be doing. Their job, their job is. And so I can't imagine how many people are going to die. Um, records, world records say that uh, there's 57 million people in the world right now that die every year. 57 million people. That's about 6,458 people dying every hour. 24 hours a day. But now the death rate is going to jump from 64, 6,500 people an hour. Maybe to 100,000, 150,000 people an hour. The death rate is going to skyrocket. Absolutely. Month after month. For 13 months and 25 hours, maybe there'll be a billion people die. Isn't that something? It's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Wholesale slaughter and death. Look at verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen, remember we talked about how many armed forces Canada has? You remember what I said? How many? 68,000. And America, how many? How many? 1.2 million. And China, 2.2 million. All right, now look at this. The number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000. You say, how many is that? 200 million. 200 million. Isn't that wild? That's like 100 times the size of China's military forces. Wild, isn't it? Huh. So, these, uh, these things that are happening are absolutely scary, and they will happen. It's not going to be a dream or a movie. It will happen in real life. Verse 16 says that these uh, angels are going to mobilize an army of 200 million horsemen. And some people wonder if they're actual horsemen or if they're something similar uh, of, of a similar nature to the, uh, to the locusts. Well, we don't, we don't quite know, do we, in chapter 9. It's not the same army as the kings of the earth, the kings of the east. Those kings of the east might refer to uh, some armies in China, possibly. But um, verse 20, if you look at that again, the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. These things are called plagues. Plagues. Now a plague is an evil calamity. That's what a plague is. An evil calamity that wounds and that kills people. That's what plagues are. And uh, this is part of a plague. It's not part of an earthly army. And so this plague is referring to something that isn't human. It's like a disease. It's like the angel of death. Remember back in Egypt, all of the uh, plague of locusts and so on. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> and thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of Jansen, Jason, that's a deep blue color, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. These things are not human. This army of 200 is not, as has been speculated, 
China's army of 200 soldiers marching over, you know, the Euphrates dried up and so on. This is not it. This is not that. This is completely different. The description given here is like nothing we've ever seen on earth. Each horse has a fiery breastplate and a head like a lion. And uh, out of its mouth comes fire and smoke and brimstone. Verse 18, by these three, that's the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone. Those are the three spoken of. By these three was a third part of men killed. So there, there's another tremendous amount of death. Um, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Oh man, a human army suffers casualties when people start firing back at them with their weapons. But this strange army of 200 million can suffer no casualty because they're not human. Verse 19, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt. Remember the scorpions? They had the power of a stinger in their tail. These crazy things, their tails are like snakes with heads and with them they do hurt. So their power appears to be in their mouth and their tail. And their tail is like a serpent with a head. It hurt people. And it seems that these 200 million are not human whatsoever, but demonic, similar to the locusts. And when these things break upon the planet, whatever the population is left at that point, and these things come, one third is going to die by the locusts. Another third is going to die by, by these uh, uh, horses, these, these crazy things here. And verse 20, the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, and there's not a whole lot of earth's population left by this point. But why were all of these people killed? Why were two-thirds of the world's population killed? Here's why in verse 20. Because they wouldn't repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Did you know that people are worshiping that stuff today? And it's going to carry right into the tribulation. There are all kinds of people all over our city who have idols set up in their homes over their fireplace on the mantle. They've got idols set up there and they're burning incense to them. They drive their cars and they hang pictures of their idols or put little statues of their idols on the dashboards. Idol worship is so prevalent throughout our city, our modern city. Idol worship. <clears throat> it's all over the world. And God is going to kill them. Two-thirds of the people are going to die by the end of the, the, near the end of the tribulation by these two horrible plagues that are going to come upon the earth. And men still wouldn't repent. They still wouldn't. Some people think that man just needs a second chance. You know, if people, if people in hell could come back to life, they say, oh, if only those people could come back and get a second chance, then they'd bow the knee. Then they'd get saved and receive Jesus. No, they wouldn't. They've made their decision. They've made their choice. They want to get out of hell. Yes, they do. 
but they don't want to go to heaven and bow and worship Jesus. They don't want that. They have no love for the Savior, but they don't have any love for hell either. Hell is a horrible place. The rich man, when he, is in, when he was in hell, did he ever speak of worshiping God? No. He just wanted to get his, his uh, tongue quenched. And then he didn't want his brothers to come to, to that place of torment. But there's no mention whatever of loving the Lord and of trusting the Savior. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. So people are wrong when they say that man just needs a second chance. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if you're honest, you'll know that you have deceived yourself from time to time. Your heart has gone after things it shouldn't. In your heart, you've lusted after things of the world. We're all the same. I'm the same. We're all the same. And that's why we need a Savior to save us. That's why we need the Lord Jesus. And so, whatever population is left on the planet at this point in verse 20, the last remaining third, whatever, because two-thirds has been uh, burned up here at their idol worship. So, um, they just continue on, it seems. Maybe, I don't know. But idolatry is a serious sin. We get to verse 21. Neither repented they of their murders. Oh, so it wasn't just idolatry. It was something else. Murders, sorceries. You know, the, the Greek word sorcery here is pharmakia. Do you have any idea what English word comes from pharmakia? Pharmacy, drugs. Yeah. I look at that word pharmacy. And I see the word harm in it, you know. P-H-A-R-M, harm. There it is right there. Now, I'm not, I'm not against pharmacies. I'm not. But uh, I need them myself, you know. But the thing is that uh, men and women around the world are getting involved with the drugs they shouldn't get involved with. Even if they may be prescription, they shouldn't get involved with certain drugs. Shouldn't do it. Not right. Not proper, not good. But these people that are left on the earth, just like the other ones that were destroyed, they continue on. People commit murder when life becomes cheap. You know that. And we see this happening in the world today. Sorcery is the practice of magical arts and the use of supernatural powers. Harry Potter is just kind of a, a kiddie Hollywood sort of version of a lot of uh, serious sorcery. That lady who wrote the, that Harry Potter series really did her homework well because the stuff she writes about in Harry Potter is really the stuff that these witches and warlocks do. And of course, fornication is sexual immorality and it is absolutely out of control, widespread and rampant today. And thefts, Mentioned the last one here, thefts in verse 21. Taking things that don't belong to a person without the owner's permission. And should we ever think that thievery is not so serious, just remember it's connected with these other things like murder. Now, these people will not repent. They will not repent. 
the Antichrist is riding high and fast and furious. And they've pledged their allegiance to him. These people will not repent. They do not cry out to God for mercy. After all these horrific things have come upon them. They do not turn to God and say we're sorry, we're sorry. They're not interested in God's mercy. I think of some of the people who perished in the days of Noah's flood. And that was a real flood, by the way. With real water. And God instructed Noah to build a real ark. And it took him 100 to 120 years to do it. It would have been big enough to hold the people. But they chose not. God brought in the animals instead. And the ark was huge. Absolutely enormous in size. But these people, some of them anyhow, as the water started coming from the sky and started coming up to their ankles and their knees, they started realizing with, with horror that what Noah had been preaching was absolutely correct. It's happening right before their eyes. He had been preaching the judgment of God is going to come and water is going to fall from the sky. Of course, in earth's history, water hadn't fallen from the sky. It had always come from the ground up and watered everything. And that's what people knew. Water never came from the sky until after the days of Noah's flood. And so they mocked them and they made fun of them. And then the day came. Noah went in. God closed the door. And the rain started coming. And it only makes sense to me that some of them would have gone out to the ark. And started banging on the door. Bang. 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 Why did they want to get in? Did they want to get in so they could worship God? Did they want to get in so they could get their lives right with God? Apparently not. They just wanted to get in. They only wanted to get in because they didn't want to die. They didn't want to drown. They really could care less about Noah and about the God of Noah. They could care less. They just didn't want to die. And I think it's that same way. People in hell. They don't want to be in hell. But they don't want to be in heaven. Uh, I don't want to be a bunch around. A bunch of goody two-shoes. You know. People that go to church. And read their Bible. And sing those funny songs. And ah. Uh, they're fooling themselves. And then they die and go to hell. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Well. You know, there's heaven above and there's a hell below. Where, where do you want to go? Well, I don't want to go to heaven. But I sure don't want to be in hell. Do you see their dilemma? Yeah. Sad, isn't it? The world is bad enough, if you ask me. But come the tribulation time, it's going to be the worst. It's going to be worse than any Hollywood movie. Absolutely worse. Again, I know I sound like a broken record, but we need to do Everything in our power now while we have the opportunity to reach our city, reach our friends, reach sometimes our family members that aren't saved and encourage them. People need to see Jesus in us in order for them to get interested. You and I are the only Bible that some people will ever, ever read. So with that in mind, when you go to work, are you a walking Bible? Do people see Jesus in you at work? Or do they just see just another person? Just another human? At school, 
Do they see Jesus in you? Or do they just see just another student? Folks, they really, really need to see Jesus in us. If they're ever going to get saved. 